Good morning, beloved. Uh, it is wonderful to be here with you this morning. Um, I want to invite you to open your Bible with me and to turn to the 98th Psalm. That's Psalm 98, and you can find Psalm 98, I think, I believe on page 500 in uh, the black Bibles in the chairs around you. Um, so feel free to pick one of those up and follow along. Um, if you don't have a Bible at home that you can read, we love for you to take one of those Bibles with you today as our gift to you. And as you read it and find you have questions, please do not hesitate to ask uh, someone at the church about those questions, any questions you may have. We would love uh, to walk along with you as you consider God's word. Um, so again, Psalm 98 on page 500. If you found it, say amen. All right, all right. That sounds like most of us are with us. Okay. So I want to encourage you to listen closely now as I read the word of the Lord from Psalm 98 aloud for us. Oh, sing to the Lord a new song, for he has done marvelous things. His right hand and his holy arm have worked salvation for him. The Lord has made known his salvation. He has revealed his righteousness in the sight of the nations. He has remembered his steadfast love and faithfulness to the house of Israel. All the ends of the earth have seen the salvation of our God. Make a joyful noise to the Lord, all the earth. Break forth into joyous song and sing praises. Sing praises to the Lord with the lyre, with the lyre and the sound of melody, with trumpets and the sound of the horn. Make a joyful noise before the King, the Lord. Let the sea roar and all that fills it, the world and those who dwell in it. Let the rivers clap their hands. Let the hills sing for joy together before the Lord, for he comes to judge the earth. He will judge the world with righteousness and the peoples with equity. Thanks be to God for his word. Uh, so much all of the content of the service up to this point has highlighted and helped us to see some of the truths uh, of Psalm 98 already. I'm so grateful for that. I want to encourage us to, to keep diving in and to see what the Lord has for us this morning as we consider it even further. And Psalm 98 centers on the exuberant, as you can tell, and joyful celebration of Yahweh, the Lord, the God of Israel, as the victorious king. He's the king who marvelously saves his people and righteously rules over all of his creation. Many scholars believe this psalm would have been sung by the people of Israel upon the military's return home from victory in battle. It was sung as a celebration as well as a reminder that it was indeed God and not them or anyone else who had won the battle. And every time this psalm was sung thereafter, it would serve as a reminder of how God, as their warrior king, had time and time again saved his beloved people from all the threats of evil rulers. Instead of being subject to evil rulers, they could praise God for his salvation and recall how steadfastly and assuredly God had ruled as a just 
and righteous king over them. So I'm sure for some of us, as we think back on on historical things like this, we might be thinking, thanks for the history lesson, but what does any of this actually have to do with us today, right? I mean, surely none of us are uh, in battle with pharaohs and Philistines, right? Um, But friends, brothers and sisters in Christ, I want to remind us all that we too are engaged in a type of warfare. It's unlike the battles experienced by the Israelites, This warfare in one sense is much more dangerous than any war that could be fought against pharaohs or Philistines. And as Ephesians chapter 6 reminds us, we are not at war against flesh and blood, but against the rulers, against the authorities, against the cosmic powers over this present darkness, against the spiritual forces of evil in the heavenly places. And in this battle, we call upon God, our warrior king, for help. The Apostle Paul goes on in Ephesians 6 to instruct us with warrior type language, telling us to put on the full armor of God. And beloved, I think if we're honest with ourselves this morning, at times we're tempted to believe that there's not enough armor to combat the news of the day, which is filled with murder injustice, scandal, inequity, and war. Or our own sinful flesh, where we battle constantly against the temptations toward hatred, discontentment, idolatry, selfishness, unrighteous anger, being harsh with others, greed, lust, pride, and a whole set of other things. And even when we're faithful to spiritually armor up, as Paul instructs us, there are seasons where fears and doubts and anxieties overwhelm us. And the troubles of suffering through sickness and aging and being sinned against by others can make it feel like our armor is being pierced with deadly arrows. And in those times, this battle can feel at best frustrating and at worst, relentless and never-ending. And beloved, in those times, we can grow weary and even despair. Amen? Amen. And yet, friends, it is with the greatest joy today that I can assure you that it is precisely in the throes of our spiritual battles where Psalm 98 shines forth most brightly into the darkness of our weariness and despair. Friends, in God's divine providence, you and I live today in the light of the cross of Jesus Christ. And our unique position in history has a bearing on the way that you and I understand the scriptures. The perfect, sinless life of Christ, his sacrificial death on the cross, and his glorious victory over death at the resurrection from the grave have left an indelible mark on this world and on the entirety of human history. So when we observe Psalm 98 from a New Testament perspective, we see that Yahweh, the Lord, the God of Israel, has come to us in the flesh of Jesus Christ. Therefore, Israel's joyful celebration 
in this psalm of God's salvation from evil enemies and his righteous rule, we now know in an even fuller way through Jesus Christ. In Jesus, the God of the universe has taken on human form and dwells among his people, not in temples built by hands, but in the very hearts of those who worship him as their king. And beloved, he still is the warrior king who's worked salvation for his people from our greatest enemies of the world, the sinful flesh and the devil. Friends, this is the heart of Christmas. This is why we celebrate. And in our fallen condition, where we so often forget that Jesus has saved us and he does sustain us in this spiritual battle, we can grow weary. And so the call from the psalmist, friend, to us today, who toil along life's weary road, is to sing a new song of praise to Jesus, our King, who marvelously saves and righteously rules. So friends, that's, that's our big idea this morning and the structure of the sermon Praise Jesus, the king who marvelously saves and righteously rules. We'll consider that in two points. First, the text calls us to praise Jesus, the king who marvelously saves. And we'll see that in verses one through six. So I want to encourage you to look back with me as we walk through the scripture. But in this first stanza of Psalm 98, we find these foundational elements of this glorious hymn of praise. So look with me at verse one. Here we find this, just a classic setup for a hymn, a call to worship, and then a reason to worship. So the psalmist writes, Oh, sing to the Lord a new song. This is the call to worship the Lord. And then he goes on, For he has done marvelous things. This is the reason that we're to give worship to God. It goes on, His right hand and his holy arm have worked salvation for him. And this phrase reveals the primary thing that God has done that's worthy of praising him. He has worked salvation for his people. Amen? So this, this call then to sing a new song, right? It, it doesn't necessarily mean to write different lyrics and a different melody because the old one is washed up and stale, Right? It wasn't calling the people to rejoice in one specific instance of God's salvation. And in fact, as you read through the book of Psalms, you'll notice that in the overwhelming majority, specific historical events aren't mentioned. No, this, this call to sing to the Lord a new song was saying to God's people, remember afresh right now as you sing and praise the Lord all the marvelous things that God has done. The deeds that had displayed God's supernatural control over events. Recall right now anew his righteousness, how time and again he's been faithful to keep his covenant promises. See how he has continually delivered you from the rule of evil enemies. Stir in your hearts praise and thanksgiving for what God has done. And friends, upon hearing that call, 
the faithful among the congregation would have begun to do just that. We can imagine that they would begin to recall the events of the Exodus, the victories under Joshua, the deliverance from enemies during the period of the judges, David's defeat of the Philistines, and continuing all the way until the time of the return from the Babylonian exile. And it would stir their hearts to sing and to praise as they remembered the marvelous things that God had done and how he had been their salvation all throughout their past. They could see his hand at work. And so, beloved, today, Christians, you and I are called to sing a new song as well, to remember afresh the marvelous things that God has done for us in Jesus Christ. Listen to how Pastor Charles Spurgeon recounts and responds to the marvelous deeds of Christ. He says, we have another new song because the Lord has come and seen and conquered. Jesus, our King, has lived a marvelous, marvelous life, died a marvelous death, risen by a marvelous resurrection, and ascended marvelously into heaven. By his divine power, he has sent forth the Holy Spirit doing marvels. And by that sacred energy, his disciples have also wrought marvelous things and astonished all the earth. Idols have fallen, superstitions have withered, systems of error have fled, and empires of cruelty have perished. For all this, Jesus deserves the highest praise. His acts have proved his deity. Jesus is Jehovah, and therefore we sing unto him as the Lord. So, fellow Christian, I pray that you'll allow this very simple call to worship, to sing a new song, to spur you on, to praise your king who marvelously, marvelously saves. And if you will, beloved, I can assure you that in the seasons where the spiritual battle that you are waging grows wearisome, you will know the joy of your salvation once again, as you recall God's faithfulness to save you in the past. And so, as we look back upon his marvelous works, we see the truth that the psalmist recounts in the end of verse 1. He says, his right hand and his holy arm have worked salvation for him. In other words, it's nothing that we've done but everything that Christ has done for us to save us. It's his perfect holiness that secures real and lasting victory over all the powers of evil. And all who are united with Christ by faith have been given real and lasting salvation from the rule of sin. Amen? Friends, this, this is true peace. This is true joy. We've already sung about it this morning, but the 19th century Christmas carol, it came upon the midnight clear, came to my mind that captured it well. You might recall it. One of the later verses says, and ye beneath life's crushing load, whose forms are bending low, 
who toil along the climbing way with painful steps and slow. Look now, for glad and golden hours come swiftly on the wing. Oh, rest beside the weary road and hear the angels sing. And, and what are the angels singing? We know, well, from the previous verse, we know that this is the angel song from Luke chapter 2, where a multitude of heavenly hosts are praising God and saying, glory to God in the highest, and on earth peace among those with whom he is pleased. Amen. So, child of God, praise Jesus. He is your king who has marvelously worked salvation for you. And even as you toil along life's weary road, rest in the joy and peace that because of Christ, you are counted among those with whom he is pleased. And there is nothing, friend, that can overcome or defeat the saving work of God's right hand and his holy arm. So out of his extravagant grace, continue looking with me. Notice at the end of verse two and three, the psalmist makes clear that the salvation God's worked for Israel is for the sake of the rest of the world. And in the next stanza of our psalm, we see that the rest of the nations, not just Israel, are invited to join in the singing of praise to God as their rightful king as well. Verse four says, make a joyful noise to the Lord, what? All the earth, right? It was always part of God's plan to extend the light of his salvation to the whole world. In Isaiah 49, six, the prophet Isaiah speaks and says, referring to Christ, I will make you as a light for the nations, that my salvation may reach to the end of the earth. And in the New Testament passage from Luke chapter two that Pastor Zach read earlier in the service, we saw the peace God gave Simeon in the temple, assuring him that Jesus was the Christ, who would be the one to be a light of salvation to all people. Friends, most if not all of us here this morning are Gentiles. We're not of the Jewish people. And yet, he has made his salvation known to us as Gentiles so that we might have a right relationship with the holy God. And what a marvelous, extraordinary thing it is that you and I have heard of the saving grace of Jesus Christ. Just think of all the generations that have passed since the time of Jesus. Consider the lineage of faithfulness of countless missionaries and pastors and parents and teachers and churches to bring the truth about Jesus literally to the other side of the world from Jerusalem. From the fact that you and I know the name of Jesus is a miracle of the sovereign grace of God. And friends, this is another reason for us to praise Jesus. Amen? To see in Psalm 98 the fullness and the depth of joy of salvation that comes to those who acknowledge Jesus 
as their king. You see the voices of the congregation, there's a prepared melody arranged for this gathering of praise. The participation is full. The volume grows. The intensity heightens as all the peoples of the earth are being called upon to make a joyful noise. And what a blessing to know that you and I, who are Christians here today, are so graciously included in the call to this revelatory celebration as those who were once far away from Christ. And friends, still today, those who are far away from Christ are called to praise Jesus because he is the King of kings and the Lord of lords who will reign over all forever and ever. So this is good news for all. But it's especially good news to you, friend, if you're not yet a Christian. It's good news because this invitation to join in on the joyful celebration of Christ, the King who marvelously saves, it still stands for you today. And so I plead with you to look to Christ in the midst of the weariness and brokenness of a life ruled by sin. Turn from your sin. Submit your life to Christ as your king. Forsake anything else that would battle for the throne of your heart and devote yourself fully to him. You must count the cost. But friend, rest assured, as the psalmist has so extravagantly shown us this morning, with Jesus as your king, his marvelous deeds will satisfy you with great joy as you recall his saving grace in your life. Friend, you will know that you've truly submitted to Jesus as king if when you heed the call to worship given by the psalmist that you find your heart stirred to respond to his marvelous works of salvation. If the joyful noise and the song of praise of voices and instruments as described in this second stanza stir your own heart to joyful praise, you will know that you are a child of God. But not because of the voices or the instruments in and of themselves, but because as we see in verse 6, look with me there, you are before the King, the Lord. Because you are in the presence of the great warrior king, Jesus, who has worked victory, salvation for you from your greatest enemies of sin and death. This isn't to say that there aren't times of weariness or despair that come from the inevitable suffering and struggle in the battle against sin. This will come to every believer And is why the majority of the psalms are psalms of lament. Psalms that give voice to the deepest struggles of the human condition and turn our hearts to the God of comfort. However, friend, if you profess faith in Christ, but have never known the joyful stirring in your heart of praise to God, it's possible that you've been deceived about your spiritual state. And I pray you'll reach out to one of the pastors or a Christian friend to discuss that as soon as possible. 
God has graciously revealed his salvation precisely because he does not want anyone to be deceived. And now, brothers and sisters in Christ, it would be foolish if we didn't acknowledge the reality that there are many, still many people groups all around the world today that have never heard the name of Jesus. This, the one who came so that all the peoples to the ends of the earth might see his salvation. And even still, there are countless more who may have heard of Jesus, but know nothing of his extravagant sacrificial love for them. Many have no access to the Bible in their language or a faithful Christian church or even know someone who's a Christian. And with this in mind, I want to exhort and encourage you, First Baptist Church, to set your aim on bringing the joy of salvation that's so vividly expressed in this psalm to the ends of the earth. Whatever or wherever there are people that do not worship Jesus as their king, we should aim to see that his salvation is known there. In our homes, let us exalt Christ and make his salvation known. In our relationships and spheres of influence in the world, let us exalt Christ and make his salvation known there. And in the farthest reaches of the world, where the light of Christ barely flickers at all, let us seek to exalt Christ and make his salvation known there. Friends, I want to encourage you practically in that with with four small things. All of us can, can learn, pray, give, and go. Very, very simply, right? Towards this end, we can all learn and pray about places near and far where the gospel is not known. And if you're looking for help or resources with that, I'd encourage you to check out Operation World that's on the bookstall or search up the International Mission Board online. And there you'll find all the information that you need that will help you learn and pray about the people around the world that have no access or very little access to the gospel of Jesus Christ. All of us can do those things, and most of us can do the third thing, can give. I'd encourage you to give to the missional efforts of our church and other organizations that seek to bring the gospel to those who don't have access to it. I'm so grateful that about 11% of all of our tithes and offerings here at FBC go toward missional efforts all around the world. And while all of us can learn and pray, and most are able to give, Finally, there are some who are able to go. To go to places all around the world where the gospel needs to be proclaimed, whether that's near or far, short-term or long-term. And if that's something that you feel like you may be interested in or sense God calling you to, I wanna encourage you to speak with one of the pastors. Let us pray for you and help you consider what that path might look like for you, all right? Learn, pray, give, go. Well, friends, this psalm reminds us that Jesus is the king. And all peoples are called to worship him as king. The Bible's clear that everyone, with no exclusions, will bow their knee and confess Jesus as their king. The apostle Paul tells us in Philippians 2, the question for every person is, will you confess him as your king while the invitation still stands and you can enjoy the benefits of his salvation 
Or will you confess him as your king when the time of invitation has passed and you've rejected him and instead know the wrath of his righteous judgment? Tomorrow is not promised to any of us. And so I implore us all to look to Christ and praise him and worship him as our king who marvelously saves. And may we always be inviting others to do the same. Well, friends, now we come to the third and final stanza of the psalm and to our final point of the sermon. So point number two, praise Jesus, the king who righteously rules. Praise Jesus, the king who righteously rules. We see that again in this last stanza. Let me read that one once more. Follow along with me. Let the sea roar in all that fills it, the world and those who dwell in it. Let the rivers clap their hands. Let the hills sing for joy together before the Lord, for he comes to judge the earth. He will judge the world with righteousness and the peoples with equity. This final stanza really is, it's, it's amazing to me. The, the participation, right, is fuller. The band has expanded. The singing is literally coming from the mountaintops now. The scope of God's praise has expanded to the entire universe. So that not only the peoples praise him, but the seas roar and the rivers clap their hands and the hills sing for joy. And this is fitting after all. Because God created nature as well as people. And so we naturally understand that these verses are a a poetic personification of the creation. I mean, the seas and the hills don't have mouths, right, with which to roar, or the rivers have hands to clap. Nevertheless, the psalmist helps us to understand with his personification that all creation gives glory to God. And it's appropriate that the creation joins in the circle of praise in this last stanza. So God as our king is still the subject of praise in this stanza as it was in the previous two. But this time his role is as the righteous judge. As Christians reading this psalm, we should think of Christ as the righteous judge in two aspects. All right, One is more general and is already happening as he rules over God's kingdom on earth. And in this sense, the entire creation, whether human or otherwise, can rejoice at the prospect of God's just rule. Human beings were made by God to submit to his righteous rule, and they flourish when they do so. God also made humans to govern his creation with wisdom and with love, So, friends, when humans acknowledge God as their king and submit to his rule as they were created to do, not only do they flourish, but the rest of creation, which they govern, flourishes as well. The fact that Jesus has come, as we stated earlier, has caused the light of salvation to shine even brighter into the world, to all the peoples and to creation itself. Since Christ has come, there's a sense in which the rule, or the sense in which his rule should cause even greater flourishing around his people and those aspects of his creation in which his people have influence. So church, I think it's a reasonable question for us to ask ourselves as Christians, 
if Christ is the king of my heart and he rules as a righteous judge, are the relationships and spheres of influence where he's placed me in the world flourishing under my care? The fact that Jesus has come and worked salvation in our hearts should make a difference in the world around us. Is the righteous rule of Christ in your heart evident to your spouse and children, your neighbors, your coworkers? Is the house, neighborhood, office, church gathering, community organization, etc., are those things better off when you're present because the righteous rule of Christ in you helps those people or places or institutions that God has created to flourish. So we see examples of this broadly in things like hospitals, clinics, relief organizations, crisis centers, and recovery programs that were often started by Christian organizations or Christian business owners. As Christ ruled in the hearts of these faithful men and women when they saw suffering, inequity, injustice, spiritual brokenness, natural disaster in the world, they had tasted the joy of salvation in Christ and so longed to help others come to a place where they could know his salvation as well. And so there was flourishing. We see more localized examples in acts like making meals for someone who's going through health troubles, fostering or adopting orphans, caring for the needs of widows, and countless other things. But friends, however large or small, the point is that when we have experienced the saving grace of King Jesus, his rule in our hearts as the righteous judge should bring flourishing wherever he has planted us. And for this reason, all God's people and all of God's creation sing praises for his righteous rule that's already happening. You know, interestingly, I think without recognizing it, we saw this in so many of the song lyrics that we sang this morning. Um, Just the fact that as Christ has come, We see goodness, we see a dispersion of evil, we see a growth, we see uh, the putting away of sin. All these things we see flourishing as as a result of Christ coming. So now the other aspect of Christ as righteous judge is a bit more specific. And that's referring to the time in the future when Christ will return and will rule on his throne as the righteous judge on the final judgment day. We understand from the Apostle Paul in his letter to the Romans that all of God's creation waits eagerly for the final day of coming judgment. Listen to the Apostle's words in chapter 8, okay? The Apostle Paul writes grandly, but hang in there, listen, all right? Listen to how he he, um, gives us this example of how all creation groans awaiting this final judgment. He says, for I consider that the sufferings of this present time are not worth comparing with the glory that is to be revealed to us. For the creation waits with eager longing for the revealing of the sons of God. 
For the creation was subjected to futility, not willingly, but because of him who subjected it, in hope that the creation itself will be set free from its bondage to corruption and obtain the freedom of the glory of the children of God. For we know that the whole creation has been groaning together in the pangs of childbirth until now. And not only the creation, but we ourselves, who have the first fruits of the Spirit, grown inwardly as we eagerly wait for adoption as sons, the redemption of our bodies. For in this hope, we were saved. This, this New Testament text, it reminds us that when Adam and Eve sinned and fell away from the grace of God in Genesis 3, that all God created, man and nature, fell under covenant curse. The reality, friend, is that you and I live in a fallen world, enslaved by sin, corrupted in our nature. And so we especially, as Christians, along with the whole of creation, eagerly await the final judgment of Christ. His just and righteous judgment, we await it because there, there is freedom from that curse. On that day, God will set all things right. The fullness of relationship between God and his people will be restored. The creation will no longer groan and strain, but will flourish as God originally intended. And friend, on that day, perhaps with more clarity and joy than ever before, all of God's people gather from every tribe, people, tongue, and nation will know the fullness of God's saving grace given to us through Christ. And perhaps on that day, we will sing this psalm, Psalm 98, this psalm of praise together as we gather around his throne as a new song, a fresh reminder of the marvelous deeds that God has done to work salvation for us in Christ and to rule as our righteous judge, both now and on that final day when our faith shall be sight. Friend, we look forward to that final day of judgment. Amen? Amen. Would you pray with me? Father, we are so grateful for the gift of your word. God, we're grateful for the instruction, for the reminder to give praise to you. God, we thank you for the precious gift of Christ that you've given. Lord, that we can sing and praise of your marvelous salvation. Lord, that we can know your righteous rule. God, that in you we have blessing upon blessing. Lord, as we spend time in this Christmas season celebrating, we pray that these truths would not be far away from us. God, we pray that you would plant them deep in our hearts. Let them be on the tips of our tongues. God, let us be a people that would continually seek to sing a new song, to be reminded afresh each time we gather together 
to celebrate Jesus, to praise Jesus, our King, who marvelously saves and righteously rules. We give you all the praise and glory. And we ask these things in the precious name of Jesus, our King. Amen.